Welcome, and thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. When you think about bringing the good news of Jesus to the world, we want to make it as easy as possible for everyone to know the love of God. Today, First Pres Executive Coordinator Jenny Sung helps us do just that with this sermon. We're going to continue to follow the lectionary, the liturgical calendar, and we are in the book of Galatians today in the New Testament. This is Galatians chapter 3, verses 23 through 29. Let's read this all together. Now before faith came, we were imprisoned and guarded under the law until faith would be revealed. Therefore, the law was our disciplinarian until Christ came so that we might be justified by faith. Now that faith has come, we are no longer subject to a disciplinarian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. As many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female, for all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Good morning. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. You know, God bless you, all the dads out there, the father figures, and all those who support them. I know that for Mitchell and Grant, my two boys, there are so many father figures, and I am so very, very grateful. Hello, I'm Jenny Sung, the executive coordinator and campus pastor to our, our other downtown location, The Vine. The Vine. The passage in the book of Galatians has this proclamation, right, as we were reading it. And it kind of rings a bit like a Martin Luther Jr. King speech. The Apostle Paul, the author, he rallies, there is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female, for we are one in Christ Jesus. I put an exclamation point on it because the Apostle Paul is riled up in this letter to the church in Galatia. And he is fighting against the barriers and the divisions that were keeping people from the gospel, from the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And these barriers were separating people from the grace and love of Jesus. Now, when was this written? This is about 15 or 20 years after the crucifixion of Jesus. And the Apostle Paul had planted these fledgling Christian churches, you know, these new communities. As he went around and he shared the good news, he went out and he shared the good news of Jesus Christ. And he built some very deep relationships and friendships in these Christian communities on his missionary journeys. And he would write letters to them. And there were sometimes letters of encouragement. He would find out what's going on and advise them. The book of Galatians is one of these letters. They're, they're one of the epistles that Paul wrote. But when you read the letter, if you read this letter, you realize that it's a little bit different. Paul is really riled up. Something has gone terribly wrong. It's gone awry. 
Something corrosive has seeped into the church. Something so insidious that Paul would even say that they are bewitched. He calls them foolish. And the reason? False teaching had seeped into the church. It was a religion of works seeping into the church, salvation by merit. And there were these false teachings adding on requirements to being Christian, requirements that added with the Jewish law of circumcision and dietary restrictions and social rules, all of which promoted factions and created barriers to the gospel message. It polluted the gospel, the pure message of salvation by faith, not faith plus this and faith plus that. No, it's purely faith in Jesus Christ. It's not Jesus plus the circumcision or Jesus plus the dietary laws. And if you know Paul's past, he understood why this was so dangerous and why it negated the truth of the gospel. The gospel message that we are saved only by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, if you look at Paul, this was a man who, before his belief in Jesus, was Saul, right? And he lived a religion of works, salvation by merit. He was a Pharisee, keeping the most, keeping the most strict accordance with the Jewish law and all the ceremonies and all the social rules and what to eat and not to eat and property. And he knew everything about the Jewish law. He knew it all and he persecuted Christians too. But in the book of Acts, as so many of you know, in a miraculous moment of conversion, when he met Jesus as Lord and Savior, his life was changed forever. He became a new creation. And this burden was lifted from him. There was freedom as he experienced the grace and love of Jesus Christ. And that's why he proclaims this, in the previous chapter in Galatians. If you go to chapter two, he says this in verses 19 through 21. Paul says, for through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in this body, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, then Christ died for nothing. Paul stands up and says, no, you guys, Christ didn't die for nothing. Now that faith has come, now that Jesus has come, we are all children of God. And our job is to bring this good news of Jesus Christ to the world. We're supposed to take it out there we're supposed to tear down the barriers that keep people from Jesus. We're supposed to bring it down and then build bridges to Jesus, not put up barriers. Have you ever encountered barriers, barriers in your life? Have you ever you know, witnessed things that bring greater division and separation? And maybe you sense that frustration and even anger. You know, I don't even like construction barriers. You know, when you go and you see the detour sign, you know, that arrow and it's like, uh, you know, and sometimes you can't even get to, you're just like a mile away. But imagine, what if you encountered barriers for people 
to know Jesus? What if you saw the detour sign and you saw a barrier keeping people from the gospel of Jesus Christ? If you saw this happening around you, would you be concerned? Would you try and remove the barriers to Jesus? What would you use to help people get there? There's a story about Billy Graham, and you may have heard the story before, but I love telling it. Billy Graham, the greatest evangelist of our time, bringing the gospel to millions, millions around the world. Some say that Billy Graham was the most important evangelist to the Apostle Paul, who we're talking about today. Now, before Billy Graham knew Jesus, he was just a 16-year-old boy, sowing his oats, you know, chasing after girls, clowning around, and he saw a tent revival. So he and his friend, 16 years old, they were just hanging on. They thought, hey, why don't we just go to this tent and hear what this crazy guy has to say? So they're clowning around, and they find their way to the tent. But then inside the tent, they realize it's too crowded. There's like no seats left. So Billy's like, you know what? Let's get out of here. But as they turn to leave, the very last minute, there is an usher. And this usher says, hey, guys. And he puts his arm around them. And he says, you're welcome. We're so glad you're here. Let me help you find a seat. And so he looked. And there were two seats in the choir section, choir section. And so there they sat. And that night, Billy Graham received Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, and the rest is history. This usher did whatever it took and made a way for those kids to hear Jesus. Sure, it was crowded. Sure, maybe like they were just kids. But no, the usher removed all obstacles, and he made a way for them to hear the gospel. And we know the end of that story. How often do we make a way for people to hear the gospel? When we encounter barriers, do we use everything we have, everything available to us to bring people to Jesus? Now, how many of you have heard of TikTok? Thank you, Jesus. Maybe some of you are on it. You know, I have to confess, I'm on it. It's, it's a social platform, if you don't know, sharing a lot of short videos. And uh, it can be addictive, yes, yes, but like anything, it can be used for good and maybe not so good. Sure, it's sometimes people joke about how it wastes time, but do you know that it can also be used to bring people together, to connect people to one another and remove barriers? Because it's, after all, what you feed, it's what you follow. I discovered one TikToker, his name is Isaiah Loya. He's a young adult who shares a lot about Jesus in his TikToks. I really enjoy them. And in this video, this TikTok, he breaks down the barrier of language to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Isaiah used Google Translate to evangelize to his Arab Muslim Uber driver to share the love of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to show it to you because it's so interesting that this, this platform is being used and he's using Google Translate and you can kind of see the conversation. You may not be able to read all the words, but it's kind of neat to see it side by side. And I want to tell you a little bit of their conversation since the words may be a little too small for you to read. Uber driver is talking, they're talking about, you know, car accidents and the Uber driver says, there's no human being on earth that's completely good. And Isaiah says, that's true. 
And then he begins to honestly share what Jesus did for him. And Isaiah says, what makes me good, it's not me, it's Jesus. And this can be the same for you. All you have to do is ask God for forgiveness of your sins and trust in him as your Lord and Savior, my friend. And what he gives is new life. He gives you eternal life with him. I was addicted to lust and always angry, but God gave me new life because of Jesus. The offer is open to everyone. And as you read on, you know, the Uber driver's like, wow, that sounds really good. I, I wish that were true. And they keep having this dialogue. And Isaiah says, hey guys, you know, to everybody who's reading TikTok, please pray, pray for the driver with me. You can sense, even through Google Translate, that there's this care and respect in their conversation, in this dialogue with one another. It's just neat seeing the Arabic and the English and see how Isaiah was a bridge builder. He brought the gospel to people. He's reaching out. Even today, you see his posts, and he takes down barriers, even the barriers of language. For the Apostle Paul, he did all he could to take down the barriers of his day to be a bridge builder to the world. He shared the good news of Jesus Christ. He said, it's for everyone. This message of salvation was for all. And he devoted his whole life living out that message. As a bridge builder, he brought down barriers. Now I wanna spend a few moments talking about the barriers that people were experiencing in the churches in Galatia, what was happening at the time, the barriers that brought division and created factions. Now in the time the book of Galatians was written, there was this common Jewish morning prayer. There were morning liturgies that every Jewish man had to recite three blessings daily, and it was to give thanks, express gratitude for your station in life. And it went like this. Thank you, God, that I am not a Gentile, a slave, or a woman. They are found in the earliest preserved Jewish prayer books from the end of the first millennium. Theologian, author, and pastor Tim Keller describes these three barriers. The barrier of culture, the barrier of class, and the barrier of gender. Now, I'm gonna go a little bit more into the cultural barrier as the other two might be a little bit more intuitive, but the cultural barrier here, there is neither Jew nor Greek. Now in Paul's day, there was a deep division between the two, the Jewish and the non-Jewish, called the Gentiles. So if you weren't a Jew, you were a Gentile. And in order to explain this barrier of culture, I have to talk a little bit about the history between God and the Jewish people, going all the way to the book of Genesis. Now the Jewish people believed that they were the chosen people because God had established a special agreement, a covenant with them through Abraham in the Bible. And you see this in Genesis chapter 12, verses one through three. This is a huge promise from God that Abraham will be the father of a great nation and this huge blessing will extend from him to all of the families going all the way down from Abraham's line all the way down to them. And his descendants will be so numerous, they'll be like stars in the sky. And this passage in Galatians that we read, that last line, that's the Abraham that Paul refers to in our passage today. And then there were rules in the Jewish life that surrounded them every single day. 
These were laws given to Moses in their day, and there were all these ceremonies and requirements. And through the Old Testament, there were rules and regulations about food and property and working and when to work and not to work and what to eat and not to eat. According to the Jewish law, righteousness was fully dependent on your ability to keep God's entire law. They believed their circumcision and level of obedience to the law was sufficient to contribute to their salvation. So this was the cultural barrier that existed. The Gentiles or the non-Jews were uncircumcised and therefore they weren't a child of Abraham. They did not have the law or ceremonies. They're not of the covenant. You are not a part of us. The barrier of culture, as Tim Keller puts it. But Paul says in Jesus Christ, barriers have come down. And this is why we read in verse 29, and if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Jesus Christ came and fulfilled the law. He didn't erase it, he fulfilled it. And now through faith in him, we're all in the family of God. We're heirs, this is huge. Now the second barrier that existed was the class barrier neither slave nor free. Now the Greco-Roman world was intensely hierarchical. The ancients celebrated and coveted the honor associated with superior status. And even though pretty much your status was kind of set from birth a lot of times, and you know, I actually wonder if in our current world we're not intensely hierarchical as well. Now, just to know the definition of slavery back then might be a bit different than the way we understand it now. You know, back then, a lot of times it was also a work contract to pay off debt. But nevertheless, the distinctions of social standing were huge barriers, huge barriers. And as a slave or uncircumcised Gentile, you couldn't even observe the law. You weren't even allowed to. So there again, one more barrier. You're not a part of us. And then third, the gender barrier neither male nor female. And this was probably the strongest barrier in Paul's day. Women were considered absolutely inferior to men. The Jewish historian Josephus wrote, the woman, says the law, is in all things inferior to the man. Tim Keller notes, even today, the application of this principle can be controversial. But in any case, it was clearly revolutionary at the time. Because women are equal in Christ before God, they must be seen to be equally gifted and able as men. The gospel has radical social implications. It means that I'm a Christian before I'm anyone or anything else. I'm a Christian first. It means that all the barriers that separate people in the world into warring factions Factions have come down in Jesus Christ. The world, back then and even now, will continue to create division and barriers. But the gospel seeks to break down barriers and bring unity. The world creates standards. The gospel says we are one in Christ. We are one in God's family, heirs. It says we're clothed with Christ. We are unique, yet united. And I got this image, we're like a choir. 
choir of different voices mixing together as one. You know, when you, when you look at a choir, right, there are different sections singing alto or soprano, and there are baritones that go way down low, and then you have these sopranos and melodies like Mary Fisher and, and you know, Mary Chestnut Hicks, where the melodies just seem to hit the ceiling, and their voices are all different, but they're united. And this diversity of voices brings richness and depth to music, and we heard it this morning. Ah, the depth and richness in worship. Being united in Christ celebrates diversity. It doesn't mean that everyone's identical, like a Xerox copy. We're still all unique, singing with each of our voices out loud. As followers of Jesus, we're all going to take part in that choir to worship God as one body. We have different talents, different personalities, different notes, different instruments, different parts of one body. Some years before the pandemic, I went to a leadership conference. It's actually called the Leadership Conference, hosted by Alpha International. <clears throat> and I was with about, I don't know, 5,000 of my closest friends in this huge concert hall, worshiping God together. It was in Royal Albert Hall. So it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful concert hall. And we were all there in a circle. And, you know, in the beginning, we were worshiping God in English, singing songs all together. Then there was a moment when towards the end, Pippa Gumbel, she stopped. And there was silence. And she said, asked everyone, I want you all to sing out loud a cappella. And I want you to sing in your own language in whatever way and praise God. And after a few moments of silence, you started hearing, singing. Some praised God in tongues. I heard different languages. Some praised God in different languages. There were male and female, old and young. And as the singing grew louder and louder and louder, I was like, oh no, this is going to get chaotic like a cacophony or, or, or a ruckus. But that's not what happened. Instead, what I heard was a beautiful melody and a harmony. I had tears in my eyes as I heard these angelic voices, everyone sounding so different and unique, but blending together so beautifully. It was absolutely amazing, and it felt like we were in heaven all together, in front of God, like a choir of angels. That's how it sounded. And this, this is the image I have. It's a beautiful image of the united body of Christ. Galatians 3, verse 28. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female, for all of you are one in Christ Jesus. Because of Jesus, we can all come together and worship God as his children. Jesus removed the barrier of sin and death. And through his death and resurrection, Jesus is our ultimate bridge connecting us to God. Jesus removed the barriers, the prerequisites and the standards that divide and condemn. And he extends his hand of grace. And by faith in him, 
We are all in God's family. We're cherished and valued. We're forgiven and loved. We're called his beloved. And we can have that relationship with God every day. It's free, it's accessible. Some of you might want to say yes to Jesus today and pray that Jesus would come into your life. Perhaps you've never prayed this before or you want to pray it again and rededicate your life. Jesus knows he's been waiting for you. But he's a gentleman. He's not going to force his way in. He waits. And if you would like to just take one simple step of faith toward Jesus and invite him into your life, I'm going to ask you to pray with me right now a very simple prayer. It's a simple prayer where you can just bow your head and in your heart say sorry to Jesus. Please come into my life. And thank you. Will you pray with me? Dear Jesus, I come before you just real and honest, taking a step of faith toward you. And I want to invite you into my life, into my heart. I'm sorry for the wrong things I've done, for turning away from you, for hurting others, myself. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross so I could be forgiven and set free. Please come into my life. I want to live life with you and live in your presence. Please come and be at the center. I pray by your Holy Spirit to be with me forever. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you prayed that prayer, welcome to the family of God. I would love to invite you to share this with someone, you know, and maybe pray with someone. We'd love to walk with you in some next steps and connect you to community. And it is, it's just my desire to share in this joy with you. Welcome. And as we close today's message, I'm going to leave you with a challenge. And the challenge is, please build more bridges to Jesus in your day, in your week, in your month. Look for the places where you can build bridges or maybe support existing bridges. There are a lot of bridges that need a lot of support. Look for the ones that connect people to the love of Jesus Christ. Look for the bridges that lead people to the gospel. One bridge that I'm passionate about supporting, and many of you know this organization, is Hawaiian Islands Ministries, very dear to our heart at First Pres. And Hawaiian Islands Ministries is so unique in bringing the body of Christ together across. They're like bridge builders. They go across cultures, across traditions, across generations and preferences, and they promote the body of Christ, a family of God's grace. 
They reach thousands and equip hundreds of churches and leaders with Christian conferences and webinars, all for the sake of the gospel. They just had one, I think, yesterday, one on anxiety, finding joy by Shanti Felden. And their mental health conference is coming up in August. We all have different bridges, but this is one, wow, what an amazing bridge. Now, sometimes the bridges you support can be people, right? And I know he's here today, and sorry, Dr. Tim Boulder is so humble, he hates the attention, but I just, it's such an honor for me to support Dr. Tim Older, who takes the gospel message of Jesus Christ to the men at the Institute of Human Services every weekend, and he runs Alpha there. You know, I do my part in supporting the bridge. I drop off coffee and pastries, and he has the relationship with the men to witness to them, to invite them into community, into small group, and walk with them. He's faithful to serve all year, as much as he can. And when he's done with the 12 or 13 alpha videos, you know what? He waits a bit, and then sure enough, he's like, we're gonna start again as new men come into the shelter. Whether through existing or new bridges in your life, will you ask God what you can do to connect people to his love, to spread the gospel message, to bring healing and reconciliation to this world? Maybe he's put a dream of a new bridge in your heart for a while. Maybe this rings true. Maybe it's something you've been praying about, something the Holy Spirit's been prompting. And maybe you're praying for support for community to come around you. Or maybe you need to ask God, what are the bridges? God, will you show me? Show me the bridges that lead to you. I don't know, but I want to follow you. And I want to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. Let's pray as we end for the Holy Spirit to guide us. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your love that knows no boundaries. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for us on the cross and being that ultimate bridge so that we may have perfect love in communion and relationship with God. We pray right now that you would give us guidance and insight, that you would give us eyes to see what you see, that you would give us your heart. What hurts your heart? We want to know, and we want to build bridges to you. Will you show us, Lord? Guide us. And Lord, if you are the one with this idea in my head of this new bridge, will you please confirm it? Show me a sign, Lord, that this is from you. Will you bring community around me and help me to pray with others as we seek you? Help us to reach others, to know you. Show us, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. 
pray these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. For those of you who would like some prayer after the service, we would love to pray with you. We really do. We love praying with you. So feel free to go to the back. There are some people who would love to pray with you. I would love to pray with you. Uh, but as we close, please receive this blessing. Will you stand? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and his countenance be gracious unto you. And may you always know the deep love of Jesus Christ all the days of your life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful Sunday. We hope to see you very, very soon. Aloha. This is a good time to take inventory of our lives and remove any barriers that hinder our relationship with Jesus and also build bridges so that we and others can know the love of God. If you want to catch up on or listen again to previous services, please visit our websites, fpchawaii.org and thevinehawaii.org. You can also find First Pres sermons on most major podcast services and on YouTube. First Pres invites you to church. Join us in person or online. Services are Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. at the Ko'olau campus, 10 a.m. at the Vine, or online at fpchawaii.org and thevinehawaii.org. Remember, when you visit those websites, check out the news page to keep up with all that's happening at church. You can also sign up for emails, listen to or watch sermons, and lots more. And as always, if there's anything First Press can do for you, please reach out through the website or just call 808-532-1111. For Senior Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First Press, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you, stay safe, and thank you for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2022 and produced by the Media Ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu.